welcome to a brand new year on the rotating platform. Happy New Year, everyone! A month and a half late. Uh, it is. <laughs> I didn't check the date before we came on. It's Sunday, the seventh of February, and it is episode thirty of the Rotating Platform, a podcast about video games. And I'm joined by Matthew Castle. Hello. And Alan Madrill. What's up, listeners? What's up, indeed? I tell you, what's up? We're back. After a, a little break, you could call it. A, a, a minor hiatus, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really. Hiatus. What's the difference? I don't know that. <laughs> it sounds more intentional. <laughs> I've been in a um, Christmas dinner coma for the last month. Well, as you say that, I've been waiting since Christmas to tell you guys about this. And maybe this was the thing that other people like put on Twitter and stuff, because I, think, I, I don't think I was the only person to experience this. But I got a very strange Christmas cracker joke at Christmas. Oh, all right. Can I read it to you? This Bust is a genuine. This genuinely came out of one of the crackers at, uh, at my parents. Are house. you look, just before we start? Are you looking for analysis here, or what? What do you need from us? Do you need the solution? Do you need illumination? <laughs> oh, I'm going to read you that. Uh, well, you can try and answer the joke, uh, but then and then I'll give the answer, and then okay. we can think about it together. Okay. Okay. Let's go. <clears throat> joke. It says joke at the top. So just to make clear, because it, it is helpful in this case, as you'll see. What kind of cough medicine does Dracula take? Um, Blood, uh, throat. Shall I reveal the answer? Yeah. Go for it. Con medicine. <laughs> what? what? And it's like, <laughs> conning Con? isn't, it's not really a, like, story, it's not really what Dracula's about. <laughs> con, uh, con, well, that well-known con artist. <laughs> yeah, con medicine. C O N. So, <laughs> so I I looked up this. Were these joke those jokes and, written by four-year-olds? <laughs> <laughs> Something's got lost in translation, I think. So I looked up the real joke. The real version of this joke is: What does Dracula's mum give him when he's got a sore throat? Hmm. And the answer is coffin medicine. Right? Ah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay right, yeah. But I don't know what the heck has happened that's, on the way well, to that. That's a typo, that right? That's someone. That's someone who's heard that joke and it's like, oh, I love that joke. I'm going to remember <laughs> that for when I'm writing jokes for the crackers. And they're like, I've got this awesome joke, and it's like Dracula, and he's got a cough. What cough medicine does he have? Co- and it's and the answer's like cough. No, oh, it can't be coughing. Con medicine. Yeah, I, that's right. Yeah, it'll be, fine. Put it in. it'll be fine. Put it in. Where do you get your crackers, Greener? Just out of interest. My parents thought it was Sainsbury's. So yeah, that would, I've been waiting a month and a half to tell you Share guys that. that. <laughs> Thanks, man. That's, that's, the, that's the best thing that's happened to you in six weeks. Uh, yeah, well, further back, actually. Really. <laughs> Probably three or four months. Um, yeah, well, so that go. was my Christmas. Um, I've played like loads of games in the time that we've been away. I've played, been fun. I've played so many games. I have just been... I finally finished... Like I finally finished... Uh, the witcher amazing oh, oh really? wow i did it oh. 106 hours was my play time oh. <laughs> i so did don't it. Tell what happens i still oh, have still only halfway through all oh, right i can't yeah. i can't even bring myself to start i'm actually scared of it now you know oh, no. <laughs> yeah i know what you mean because i'm gonna i'm actually gonna play through it again i think because i've lost what? that save no i really am because i think right. i'll enjoy it right. but yeah I, there is a sort of fear of the time i've got to put into it i really messed up his love life uh, right. Which you mm. can do because I I was greedier earlier on and thought I could just sort of shack up with whoever I wanted whenever I wanted, oh, and right. I I paid the price for it. And actually, it it gave the end a very kind of melancholic edge 
I think I think we all know people like that, don't we, in our lives? <laughs> I think. Yeah, but I really felt like I'd blown it after 106 hours. Um, oh. But I still loved it. I loved it so much. I wrote a, a stupid email to CG Project Red telling how oh. how much I enjoyed it. Oh. So. Because I'd rarely do that, but are you hoping you'll get like a free poster or something from them? No, I just said I just said like I, I th- the end I thought really delivered, you know, which is amazing considering it's a hundred hour game. I, I thought it it really came through and made sense. And what you should do, Matthew, is write those words down and print them <laughs> in a format that other people can then go and read. <laughs> mm. You what? might want to try that, <laughs> oh, especially because I don't imagine that. I mean, I, I presume you emailed it. What to their just their standard email address or someone you know? Oh, email I know it's their like PR guy, right? Yeah. And I'm sure that PR guy's like, I'll oh, stop the presses, everyone. Someone likes The Witcher Three. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I explained my thinking about it. I don't know. I just uh, yeah. it's going to be my new thing. It's like I'm only going to share my thoughts on games with the people who made them from now on. It's the new, new games journalism. So on this podcast, I'm not going to share anything. It's just going to be silence. But, however, the podcast version of that is Matthew will come round your house and talk to you personally about games. Yeah, that's how I'm doing things. It's a... it's a, it's like a it's a whole new me for 2016. Very personal touch. That's what I'm going for. I like oh, it. That's, I like that's it. admirable. That's admirable. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> well, let's see how we got on with the podcast episode then. <laughs> on that basis, any <laughs> any more general thoughts before we move on? This is your opportunity. Any questions? Any other business? <laughs> no. Nope. No, not so- a sausage. Silence. All right, let's get on with it then. Uh, off this platform. Remember, we it's all about platforms. Oh, yes, of course. We've got to try, remember the conceit. Uh, we're on a, on the starting platform. And Man, that was 2015 to... stuff. I'm so <laughs> over that. What have we progressed to? So, yeah, let's get off this platform and on to the next platform after this. And so as we land gently onto a new platform, a 2016 bright, shiny platform with the cellophane just peeled off freshly like oh, a new gadget. Pe- oh yeah i love doing that i'll peel it off it infuriates yeah. me when people leave that on their phones and their oh, electronic why? equipment you know that little yeah. tiny square you get over the timer on a dvd recorder or something well let's face it only oh. people over the age of 50 do that am i right it's a little bit of observational comedy for you there uh yeah but this one is all lovely shiny and fresh and as we're going on it we might just leave little fingerprints and stuff you know <laughs> Right. Are we going to talk about games? <laughs> yeah, we probably should. Or I could just talk at length about cellophane. Um, <laughs> what, you, what you're doing. It's the platform fingers. where we talk about the things, what we have been playing. Yes, indeed. Oh, I was worried Alan was getting lost in the fiction there. <laughs> so there's the cellophane, right? <laughs> so, uh-oh. Oh, dear. Obsession with fingerprints. J- January's not been kind to you, eh? <laughs> <laughs> no. So can I kick off with what I've been playing? Please do, Mark. Oh, thanks. I've been playing the video game The Witness by Jonathan Blow. Of... Not to be confused with the movie of the same name. Categorically I... not associated. I knew it was either going to be that or <laughs> Can I Get a Witness? It was, and I was, before I start, before, probably a week ago when we, when we planned to do this episode, I was like, what's it going to be? Who's going to say one, one or both Did of Did you walk things? into the shop and say, Can I Get a Witness? Shut it down. Shut the podcast down that's it we're done 
Let's start again. <laughs> let's, let's do let's do this properly. I like no. that you have a dry run to get out, get it all out of our system. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've been playing The Witness by uh, Jonathan Blow, who made Braid. You will remember, and what he's been playing, he's been making The Witness for like seven years or something crazy. Um, and it's a well, it came out like two weeks ago, it, and it's like a a sort of puzzle puzzle exploration puzzle game i guess mm-hmm. a bit based on well sort of inspired by mist mm-hmm. you know the old explorey puzzly thing um i think i sort of admire it more than i like it so basically i played it i played it without any help and then i got to one puzzle i had to look up the answer for ah that, there we go at that the, point the i fail yeah yeah and i almost immediately lost interest in it at that point well, yeah that's i think that's when the bubble bursts cuz mm. the the whole game like trades on the satisfaction of like working out the rules that the world kind of shows you quite clearly or gives you and the second you kind of leave that bubble and let someone else do the work for you like there is nothing like it's not a game anymore or it's not a thing anymore it's yeah yeah i agree and i I tell you what's weird about it so i i completely i think i remember seeing that very early reveal video that was at some play one of the playstation conferences i think um where you know there was a little shot of one of these 2d maze puzzles uh, maybe a couple of them and then i completely did a blackout on it and i was like i don't want to know anything about it uh, and i and i'll just wait till it comes out and then i saw all the reviews and it was all like 10 out of 10 from ign and all this kind of stuff and i was like wow well one thing that game can't be it's just an endless series of maze puzzles, you know? There must, like, must be like an amazing stuff waiting in that game. That's a really bad mindset to go into, <laughs> into the witness with because, you know, half of it really is just maze puzzle after maze puzzle. And there's another... I guess what I'm saying is that there's, there's two kinds of puzzles in a way in, in the witness. There's ones that use the environment and and clue visual clues in a really subtle way that is just enough information to kind of guide you into the solution in ways that make you like gasp uh, you know gasp, i literally gasped out loud at a couple of them i'm just like that is really really clever that's amazing what, what I, sort of thing oh i don't want to spoil it but um, like but why did it make you gasp what was it like a moment I think of revelation it, it's, it's, or? it's the combination of that's a really clever solution to that puzzle Mm-hmm. That's that's that you that that because because every puzzle is a panel right with a with a maze on it essentially yeah every, every single one and and the the, the environmental based ones are ones where yeah um, it uses things the, like perspective, perspective and things like this yeah. to try and and then you realise that it you know the solution is in plain sight but you just yeah. you're not thinking and about it, the world in the right way or you've not I you're see. just not and it's that it's like the penny drops and you're just like yeah. oh god that's you know. amazing and it and it leads you there so even beyond just a a clue it will it will give you that you'll notice you know that thing Matthew's saying where it's suddenly like oh right i i see there will be you know clues in shadows colors placement you know objects that give you the hints you need to spot that hint you know or or to stop you from going too far off or 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 just giving up um so that that is amazing but i only really got to that stuff i played the game in a weird order that meant for quite a few hours i didn't see any of that stuff and i just saw um 
the the, the the a similar kind of puzzle, but it's really it really is just one maze after another, and there's no environmental clues to those or anything. It's just like here's a rule, and it gets more and more complicated, and you have to figure out how to solve this maze. Um, so I was getting a bit kind of t- t- at the start. I was just getting a bit annoyed. Like, is this it? And I so I really lo- I really loved it. I th- I thought it mm. was um, like for me. I love that sensation of you know the light bulb moment when you realize and i think it gives you uh like so many of them like on tap it's just that sensation over and over again admittedly Mm. there are like there's a sort of there are a few because kind of of the kind of panel puzzles that you have they're kind Mm. of grouped in themed areas so you know you'll go into like a castle and there's a certain kind of puzzle there and there's like a beach and there's a certain kind of puzzle there and Mm. and some of them are more you know they're 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 kind of quirkier or they've kind of got weirder kind of gimmicks than some of the others and you know there are a few which i'm not that keen on there are a few areas where i'm like i didn't like that area like that the puzzles were just like i worked out the rules quite quickly and then it was actually just really hard getting Mm. the mazes to work and it felt like a bit of a pain in the bum um but there's there's again you can't really say it without spoiling it but there's like a level beyond um and when you kind of tap into that level, it just makes you see the whole island in a different light. And Ooh. it's Jonathan Blow's probably operating on some kind of crazy level, which I just don't get. But, you know, it, it felt like one of the very few games I've played where literally every rock that's in that world, every yes. every sort of atom is kind of yeah. exactly where it needs to be for a reason and whoa and yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's yeah. mad I, you know it, it's really yeah, hard it to talk crazy. about without sounding too pretentious but when it mm-hmm. all begins to click you're just like oh man this place yeah like... it really is that you you have this kind of it's it's like a shift in focus you know you're you probably start out looking at these panel puzzles and then your your view kind of zooms out your your awareness your your kind of um, perception and you're like oh actually the environment is part of this and then you zoom out more and it's like oh on a on a more macro scale the wider environment has been shaped and crafted as part of this and then you, you go further and further out and I'm sure there's levels that people haven't even realised yet well, this of, is, I, think it, I, mean, I think I don't know whether it's actually him or not but basically lots of people have been writing sort of think pieces about it and then mm. in the comment threads underneath Jonathan and it's everyone thinks it is Jonathan Blow a, an avatar turns up called Jonathan Blow who just says you don't understand in my game <laughs> and, like, or you don't get it like and that's it whatever you write he just turns up the same picture wow. it's always called Jonathan Blow it was on one games radar article and he's just it's basically turning up and going wrong because <laughs> um, people are like well, oh this is what the witness is about and like I'm not even yeah. going to pretend to know it. But I, like, that, that's a no. that's a weird thing to do though isn't it because, but that's what like, he's it... like you know he just spent seven years in like yeah. maze world he's probably but gone a if, bit mad <laughs> but that's like that's deeply problematic because if an artist produces something and <laughs> you know it like if i make a film or something and i put it on the screen and somebody watches it and they think oh it's about this they're right you know what i mean it's not for the or for the author or the artist to say no 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 you're wrong you haven't understood it no but, right, but i think that's, that's, I, that's why i think he's a bit oh, of a divisive I, figure isn't he you know yeah, some and, don't, and you don't get to say that the author some doesn't get to in. say what oh, i don't means. i don't know if i agree i don't know if i agree but yeah okay i, yeah, I, I, I mean like, I, I like i say i don't get it on any high i don't understand the high meaning of it, it but it is a, gr- a really good puzzle game and it gave me 
the kind of satisfaction that I usually only get in things like a really good Zelda dungeon puzzle, you know, mm. where the pieces click and you're like, yeah, got it. Um, but I've, it's just designed to give you that kind of click moment, and I, I think it's brilliant for that. I always yeah. find that fascinating with puzzle games, like because that's the kind of core mechanism, isn't it? Is the, is the light bulb going on? You're you're struggling. You're trying different things. You're not getting it, and then something clues you in. You look at at something that you've seen in a different way, and you go ah, and yeah. then yeah. the light bulb goes on. That's the core mechanism. But I think. Designing a game in which that happens easily enough that most yes. people will be able to get there, yeah, but yeah. because if the person it's not fails so to get it, you've broken the game. Yeah, it's in the office. It's been really interesting because there's been people who are like just a bunch of mazes, bleh, do not like. There have been people who are absolutely kind yeah. of like, oh, this, you know, who are kind of tapping into its higher level or whatever, and going, oh, it's yeah. you know, brilliant, brilliant. Um, it's it's. But the one thing I will say for it is I think it does a really good job of teaching you its rules without like a word. You know, I think it actually, it takes great pleasure in, it kind of wants you to do it. Um, And I think there's a, you know, it's quite show-offy in that way in kind of like how clever I am at kind of teaching you. Look at my visual language and I'm like, oh, okay, you know. Yeah, and and that's that's my main feeling about it and that's why I say I think I admire it more than I like it because it is, I'm I'm just going on a path of someone showing me how clever they are Mm. rather, or a team showing us Mm. how clever they are. And I don't, I'm not sure I had fun as such (laughs) while I was was on that journey. yeah, but yeah, I know. It's like virtuoso, yeah, performance is, of some sort. Yeah, you know, you're just like then, I'm really if, clever. You want that to, you know, if, if if that is the case, like I'm really pleased it exists because, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. like you know, if, yeah. if 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 kind of games are, you know, going to sort of be put alongside other art forms, if you want to, you know, <clears throat> yeah. they have to run the gamut of of you know, film verges from blockbuster yeah. down to like the weirdest, most obtuse kind of art house cinema. And I think I think this this avoids being too kind of you know, I've played art games which I think are just like just guff, meaningless things. And this is a mm. game, like it's a game at its heart. Like there's a real yeah. there's a real challenge. There's a thing uh, to do. Yeah. But, no, I agree. Yeah. I, I I am I, I agree. I am pleased it, it exists. I got to say, um, you know, all the way through, especially towards the start, I was just looking. I was hi- like super highly attuned to any sort of clues that mm. the game was trying to give you, or any kind of hints of what was going on on this island that the game's based on. And there's this kind of squeaking noise that kept coming up at various points. It's super super quiet in my left ear, and I was like, oh. That maybe that means something. I kept flipping around to try and see if there was some little mouse running by or something. <laughs> then it turned out it was just my old Xbox 360 controller. The analog stick is squeaking. <laughs> 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 but it took me about three days to to, to realise that. That was frustrating. So, I yeah. get that sometimes with. Uh, I get that sometimes when I'm on my computer and I end up with like there's two YouTube videos playing, but I only know about one of them. Oh yeah, and it just the sounds mad, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is a weird <laughs> clip, but like, it sounds yeah. like there's another person having a whole conversation in the background, but yeah, whatever, like, I'll go with <laughs> it. Like, sketch. Hey, what was I playing? <laughs> I was playing something the other day, and um, uh, the room where I was playing is is sort of right near the road, and I could hear there were people talking outside on the pavement. It was quite late, and I thought they were in the game. 
Um, <laughs> it's very disconcerting. So thought, where's this conversation going from? This is a bit out of character. <laughs> isn't it? Uh, I think it was like a Lego game or something. It was like, why would there be people talking uh, yeah, in a slightly no. drunken fashion? All right. That's the end of my The Witness discussion. It ends here. What what segment comes next? <laughs> uh, the segment of Mr. Matthew Castle communicating oh, yeah. about video game experiences he has had in the past. So fill us in. I having having sort of um, played many many hours of The Witness, I needed something kind of sweet and simple to kind of clear my mind. So mm. I opted for uh, Unravel. Um, oh yeah. Which is a download game by a company called Coldwood Interactive. Um, they've kind of got a bit of it got a bit of buzz around it because it's being published by EA and it's very unlike most EA things in that it's yeah. like, the, I don't know if you remember last year at E3 when the guy unveiled it, um, Martin Salin, his director, and he had the, he was this very nervous man and he had this little puppet sort of figure that he'd made <laughs> of the main oh, character because a... it's like a little yarn man. Yeah. Um, and he was like, I made this thing on holiday. And it was all really... Cut. And then, you know, it just followed <laughs> like plants yeah. versus zombies, which is so obnoxious that you're like... And his hands were, his hands were shaking. Yeah, and he was just like, oh, but... And he, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so, yeah, so this is this is. And now the game. are we going to get 10 minutes of you dissing his game? Now? No, 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 <laughs> not at all. No, it's... No, yeah. he's made a real... Like, I, I usually... I don't really respond to things on a kind of cuteness level. Like, I don't really like cute stuff doesn't do it for me. Like, you oh. know, which is odd as a Nintendo fan, but I, I yeah, find right. it kind of, yeah. oh, you know, like the Yoshi, the Yarn Yoshi game I thought was yeah. pretty flat, you know, as a cute thing. It didn't really do it for me. So I was a bit oh, worried this was going to be the same. It's just going to be like a little man kind of, you know, pushing berries to climb up things. And you're like, oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> But actually, it's got a really like mean heart inside. Like it's a, it's quite a Ooh. difficult, moderate difficult um, puzzle platformer, kind mm. of like quite like Limbo. Um, uh, yeah. In that all the solutions oh. are it's sort of physics enabled. So it's about like pushing things into place um, mm. and sort of tug yeah. it, you know, pulling things, and it's all very sort of uh, weighty. It feels real. But the big difference but- is because your body is made of yarn. You can kind mm. of string things together to kind of create little kind of trampolines or pulleys, and you can kind of like abseil down things on your own body. Um, Wait, this it's like it just sounds... cause three. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was thinking that I think the, the the comparison with Limbo is interesting. Matthew, have you played Trine? Yeah, oh, Trine? Not yeah. Trine again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of, kind of like it's kind of like Trine with twine. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Oh, you've got to change my strap line. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so it's kind of got a bit of that. And it's not as haphazard as Trine. It's a bit more kind of like there is a clear solution, but it feels like it's been birthed from real physics, which is fun. Um, I think him having the string is brilliant because it just lets him kind of like the way he kind of like heaves up to things and he kind of, it's almost like a little mountain climber because he has to kind of use nails to kind of... Um, mm sort of harness himself to rocks so he can kind oh, of abseil yeah, yeah, yeah. down and yeah i saw that yeah it's 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 a really cute game it's got it's it's a bit over reliant on a few it's got a couple of tricks that it does over and over again which is a shame as it's got some lots of sequences which are like uh very distinct ideas and you'd be like oh i'd like mm. to see more of that um yeah but so 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 when you say so the the limbo comparison hmm. is is it the because it's a while since I played Limbo, but it was kind of like 
an innocent trapped in a a kind of dark world of thirty foot spiders. Yeah, yeah it's, and kind yeah. of. It's got a bit of that. I mean, the whole thing is he's on Yarni is he's kind of been he's been he sort of uh, grows from a an old lady's abandoned ball of yarn and sort of goes on a journey to somewhere. He's he's you know um, you've got to play it to the end to find out what. Uh, right. And so all the levels are set in the kind of envi- the natural environment. So like the first level is Granny's back garden, but because he's tiny, obviously the scale, you know, like a tree is just like a huge thing. He has to scale and mm. he has to kind of like stand on tin cans to climb up on things. And 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 mm. like birds are like a huge threat. There's like a running thing throughout of like birds equal bad. Um, mm. They kind of oh, peck, yeah, him, they yeah, peck yeah. him to death quite horribly and all this kind of stuff. Birds um, are usually bad in video yeah, games. Yeah, but, but it's so they based it. They're based in Sweden, and all the environments are kind of from their area, and it just feels really authentic and lived in. Like every level ends with photographs of the real places that they based it on, and you can kind of go, "Oh, that's oh, cool!" Like, "Oh, wow!" Like it really does look like that, and it's got a slightly oh, wintry feel. It's not just like hmm. this is the countryside level. This is the hmm. this is the mountain level. You know, it's just sort of like his junkyard, hmm. but it just feels very believable and and like for a little team, it's gorgeous. The game, like yeah. the the you know the amount of like natural kind of greenery and there's always variation. Like the little props and things look amazing. There's always like reflective water and there's a, there's a big level in a snowstorm. Which has just got like one of the best thing looking things I've played in ages. Like for all this in this little download thing, I think it's a real a real little treat of a game. I I know some people are going to go all in on this because on top of that, they also find it like oh it, you know it's totally heartwarming. Or oh, I fell in yeah. love with this character. And I didn't quite have that because I think mm. I do think Yanni looks a bit like Satan. Um, <laughs> he's, he's got what, this. You're... Horns. He's, he's, like, <laughs> he's like a devil figure. He's like a little, and there's something quite—I don't know. There's something off about. Oh, like a uh, Pan's Labyrinth sort of thing, or like, um, yeah, like yeah, a sort of I, very. Once scary... you've seen him as the devil, as well, like if you I, you mm. stop seeing the thread as thread, it's just like he's like unspooling his guts. It's horrible. Matthew, <laughs> like, <laughs> is there something you want oh, to share with us? It no, I bit... just have it. I just, it just nightmarish vision it's like something out of the divine comedy or something it's just like <laughs> yeah he has got hauntingly empty eyes hasn't he it's like like, something yes. i just think there's something off about the guy i can't put my finger on what it is <laughs> but like i see what you mean yeah it's the shape of the head i i reminded of of like pan's labyrinth or or something from a guillermo del toro right i just movie uh, where this is uh, something like that should not exist and he also like he dicks over a lot of creatures on his journey because they're obviously threats to him. But he's just like, yeah, I'll poison that thing. Oh, I'll drop this yeah, well, on so that thing. Bloody, like, so does Lara Croft. Everyone loves her. So, yeah, give give Yanni a chance. Give Yanni a chance. <laughs> but, yeah, I, there is something, there's a sinister element to it. Like, at first, I wondered if he was, like, laying a trail for Grandma to follow to something horrible. <laughs> like, it would just be, like, to a big crevasse or something, or a big, like... Well, there is a kind of... The, how you describe it, and and certain amount of the look to it is, is quite fairy tale yeah. So, yeah, and a lot of fairy tales are very but it's dark. Kind of, so. That's what I mean. It's sort of... Un, there's an unusual element. It's not totally twee. There is some kind yeah. of... There's a hint of kind of edge to it, which I quite like. And Well, um, a lot of the best kids' stuff has that, sense right, exactly. that there is more going on than a bit uh, you know mm. that this is a world where 
some bad things can happen. You know, yeah. or there's mystery. You know, there's something suggested. In terms of like where it came from and kind of the surprise of it, it reminded me a bit of um, when I played Brothers. Yeah, I was just about to say. Mm. And, yeah. you know, it, it's got that similar kind it's of horns, slightly man. Nordic. It's, it's got that slightly Nordic yeah. kind of chill to it. Um, and also you're like, well, this is a new studio. Like, I'm now excited about whatever Cold would do next. I just want to see what they do next. Mm. Like, it is a new person. It is a new group to be enthusiastic oh, about, which is always good. Like, that's what mm. you want, yeah. you know? Um, and is this, um, so is this a full price thing? Or uh, a- it's, I think it's about £20. Mm, okay. Like mm. I played it. I t- I've played it for a good ten hours. I think. Yeah. It's, it's... Is it a, is it a Xbox only? No, it's on play, uh, PlayStation and PC. Oh, good. Okay. Nice. Yeah, do give it a go. It's very check very charming. It, check it out. Yeah. I like it's a big year for games this year, isn't it? Blimey. We're only into February. I've already got seven games I want to play. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah. Oh, it's too many. Too many. Too many. But yeah. Um, so, so what have you been playing? Have you also been playing a magical fairy tale world? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I have. Um, I be- <laughs> no, I'm going to drop this pretense rapidly. So, um, I'll explain why I played the game that I played. Okay, we'll start with a little bit of history. On January the twenty ninth, nineteen ninety six, so <laughs> twenty years ago, and a few days, the uh, shareware version of Duke Nukem three D was released. It's 20 years oh. old, my friends. Oh, so it's a bit of birthday gaming. Yeah. Or anniversary 20, gaming. 20 years ago, uh, I played Duke Nukem 3D, and I thought I'd dust it off and see if it still stands up. Now, so historically, Duke Nukem 3D set in the period when, um, like, what some people have referred to as kind of golden age of PC gaming, where um, the first, like, the, the trail had been blazed by games like Wolfenstein and Doom, but then Duke Nukem kind of really introduced lots of different elements. It introduced a lot of the elements that we have now and consider standard, so stuff like destructible environments mm. or uh, different kinds of gadgets, like an inventory with gadgets that you could use to help you out in different situations, like a jetpack or night vision goggles or stuff like that. Um, and it, in, it had a much more kind of intriguing level design, approach to level design. There was also much more support for modding. Uh, and, you know, it was a real kind of important game at the time. But it's problematic, you know, <laughs> as sensibilities have moved on. Yeah, uh, I think it also, yeah, it set the scene for some of gaming's less... Uh... Well, well, this is the whole thing. This is what I sort of wrestled with, was, was, was how uh, problematic it is, like... Because with Duke's attitude towards women, like, is this is this a real, like... Hmm. But it's it's all done in a very open parody style, right? He's a kind of send-up of the 80s action hero, right? He's super chiseled. Yeah. Have you played the... Um, have you played the two, the original 2D uh, Duke? I haven't played it, no. I've, I've, uh, I've watched YouTube videos and stuff of yeah. the originals. Have you played them, Greener? No, I haven't. No, no. I haven't really played... Duke to be honest, they look horrible. Um, I thought yeah. Duke Nukem 3D horrible. was the first one, or is that me being stupid? No, no, no. No, it, so there was a one and two, which were side-scrolling um, shoot-em-ups, uh, as more or less I've, every game I, This has gen- genuinely point. gone over my head. Well, this is the thing. Like, it's one of the, I, I was just thinking while Alan was talking about it, what other series there have been where mid-series is a sort of 
is is a big sort of leap forward or a genre defining moment. Well, Metal Obviously, Gear, Metal Gear, um, Grand, Grand Theft, Theft Auto, Auto, you know, come yeah. to mind first. But yeah, but then, and maybe um, Elder Scrolls. I don't know, but oh yeah, I'm not sure Fall there out. are many of them where the where the third game is like the the one that. You know, it leads people to believe it was the first game, basically. Because, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, was... I mean, I would say GTA is probably up there. Mm. Uh, not many people remember the top-down GTA games. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, not... Huh. I think. I, I would say a lot of people out there... No, yeah, you might be right, yeah. Stuff. Um, so, but the, so I was So how does the shooting by... hold up? Can you control it? Oh, is it just, w- just WASD, is it, for controls and stuff? Uh, well, I was playing it on Vita, uh, oh, well, a, of course. Obviously, <laughs> it's, it's the first thought, isn't it? Why the authentic Duke Nukem 3D experience? <laughs> uh, but I mean, the thing is, it is you know, it's authentic in everything other than you're using two sticks, which mm. um, was fine. But I needed to turn the sensitivity down a lot because it was just unplayable on the. Well, wait, is it sensitivity? Presumably, Duke didn't have. Did Duke let you look up and down? Uh, yes, you Originally. could. But there was a weird thing going on with it because you could shoot straight ahead, but hit enemies who were above you. Well, that must be. Well, that must be because you know originally mean? it had the Doom controls in, which is where you couldn't look up and down because that's what yeah. Doom did. Oh, yeah. so you so, could but, look up and down, but it didn't right, really make so they'd any difference. Is it? Is it? Gag to be made about if you're looking for sensitivity, don't play Duke Nukem. But <laughs> oh, nice! Uh, <laughs> but you can't think of it. Well, I don't <laughs> know. Just... Saving it. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't work out a natural way of inserting it into the conversation, so I, <laughs> I, I, I highlighted that a joke was coming. <laughs> you know, well, we're well, recording. Was... We're recording a podcast that we can edit later. Yeah, you, know, you can. Yeah. <laughs> we just, can just, stop. Just cut it in. Get yeah. you know, in about a quarter of an hour, when you've got the really good uh, comeback. You know, yeah. it's like um, l'esprit d'escalier. You know, when, when oh, you think like of that. the thing. <laughs> What? <laughs> no, esprit d'escalier is when you think of the amazing thing you should have said. Like you storm uh, out of an argument, you like two seconds later, you're like, "Oh, I wish I'd said that," because mm. you're on the stairwell. It's called the spirit of the stairwell. You're, you're walking oh, out. Right. Like, oh, uh, I should have said that. That's esprit d'escalier. Well, I've learned so, a new thing. I've learned two new things. I've learned that, and that there's two D Duke Nukem. Yeah, I mean, it's a very strange thing to discover in the middle of a chat about Duke Nukem. It's very <laughs> it's cultured. Yeah, yeah. So it's that, language. but anyway, you know, so we can edit that in, man. We'll make you seem cleverer than you are. Yeah. It's so fine. Matthew, when you think of that, when you think of that fully formed joke, let us know. We'll pop <laughs> and it we'll in. drop it in. They'll, uh, it'll just be in the middle of something else, and there'll be a, like a, an unsightly silence in the middle of space arc. <laughs> Never has anyone had so much grief for almost thinking of a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's like ten minutes on that. Uh, <laughs> we got good material out of that, Greener. I liked it. So did you enjoy Duke Nukem 3D? Well, actually, yes. I, I kind of really got back into it because the, there's a nostalgia element, fine, of playing the first episode because it came in episodes originally, mm. the kind of classic shareware model established by Doom. Right. Um, so I played through the first episode, just like six, seven levels or something. And that was I was playing through on nostalgia because I could remember where all the hidden bits were and all that sort of stuff. Oh, really? Fine. And it still stands up as a kind of, you know, 3D shooter. But then I started playing these um, uh, add-ons that uh, had been developed and were released in 97 by a different company. Um, by They were released by... They were developed by Sunstorm Interactive, right? So it wasn't developed by Apogee. Oh, so cool. the add-ons... Uh, there's like one where Duke's on holiday, right? And... <laughs> The aliens have taken over the hotel. Oh, wouldn't you know? That guy has no luck. <laughs> <laughs> he can't go, never go anywhere with Duke Nukem. Uh, 
but which which is naff, right? It is naff, but I love it because the I mean it's silly, fine. That so it appeals on that level, but um, the level design is what really pulls you through those things because mm-hmm. they're very sophisticated environments, quite big, and the core mechanism really is get the red key card to unlock the red door. Really, mm. that's how you sort of progress. Those are the gates, which just sounds like a very boring mechanism in games. But mm. the way these levels Spoiler, are put together... it is. Yeah. <laughs> but... No, but, well, but, but the way they're put together, uh, if anybody wants to have a, you know, have a real think about how to put together an interesting level design where you, you kind of, you're given little signposts of where you need to go... Um, so it's a, a very odd experience. It's more compelling than it should be, you know, because it's one of those mm. games you think I'll play this for a quarter of an hour and that'll scratch that nostalgic urge. But they're really good and yeah. they stand up, surprisingly so. So next next time on rotating platform, Alan plays Hexen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm on a bit of a nighty. I mean. For the avoidance of doubt, I have also been playing Fallout 4 and games that have been released this century. Yes, oh, so yeah, you don't. That you, has well, happened. There's no, there's no law against it. Going yeah. back to the old. The I old like to think thing. that's our USP. Is where sometimes we go for really old stuff <laughs> yeah. for no reason. Oh, by the way, we have a policy. One thing, one thing I would say about Duke Nukem, we have a little bit. I think it's fair to say we've got an informal policy. Uh, on this podcast of not really talking about things we don't like very much would that be reasonable like if we really hate something we'll tend not to talk about it right yeah unless it's like a, a big new game that we want to that we want to yeah. slate but we won't spend hours slating stuff so yeah. i played duke nukem forever mm. silence <laughs> what that game's rubbish <laughs> i know hot take isn't it <laughs> that's my hot take on Poor this scenario. Duke. yeah it's a shame one yeah there. Uh, an iconic video game character just is dies basically it's 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 very sad uh it's very sad it it does the the one thing that video games should not do which is be boring Mm. that's amazing achievement because how can how can that formula get boring but yeah all right shall we finish up there on this platform wrap the platform back in the cellophane or whatever it was now yeah just lay it back on (laughs) and but it's got a bubble in the middle yeah. Right. You're going to dust the fingerprints off or whatever it was? No, they're on there, but trapped <laughs> behind the plastic now. Forever. Whatever that mad stuff was you were saying. <laughs> and then, like, we, we give it, we give the platform to someone else, you know, as like a Christmas present, but they can see that it's got a bubble on it and it's got fingerprints and they're slightly disappointed. <laughs> a Christmas joke as well. All, all wrapped up. All no pun, no pun intended. Let's get off this platform, ma'am. Yes. But, first of all, it's this. And now a little music. The rotating platform players present a song played entirely using the Nintendo DS game Jam with the Band.
It is the year 3000. Apocalyptic disaster has struck in what has become known as the event. Millions are dead or dying in the molten lava of a collapsing planet. The one beacon of hope, the Space Ark, constructed to protect humanity's best people and greatest works, and carry them safely to a new home beyond the stars. Racing against time, the Space Ark Games Committee convenes to decide which video games will be preserved for future generations, and which will be lost forever to the fire. This episode of Space Ark is sponsored by... No, it's not sponsored, I'll start that again. This episode of Space Arc is all about game openings. Yay! It's the start of games, but specifically playable ones, right? So not just where you see some fancy cutscene and then boom, you're in. But it's like yeah. the where you first start playing and it's kind of introducing what the game is and how it's going to work and all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Memorable things. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, and I think it's fair to say it's been a difficult genre for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess especially because when we talked about this, I definitely thought about not not really first levels as such. You know, like so. For example, I thought about Hitman Two has a very very good first level, but it's more about setting the scene type openings. Yeah. Uh, rather than mm-hmm. just which is going to lend itself to a certain kind of game i would imagine mm. yes yes As indeed will shortly discover listeners it's i it's going to be and some quite iconic moments should we should we have a look at what the old uh, the old listeners have uh, come up with yeah let's see what they've got let's see what they've got and the young up. ones and the young ones let's not discriminate um alan this is relevant to your interests <clears throat> oh hello i hope this doesn't ruin your nomination so james pepworth let's get this one out of the way he says he'd like to nominate Half Life Two, not the not the person. I mean the the game. <laughs> let's, get, let's get this guy out of the way. Uh, he James wants to nominate Half Life Two, uh, and he des- uh, which I think we're all familiar with. But he describes it: You start out on a train with people milling about, all in matching blue shirts and jeans. And mm-hmm. as you wander through the bleak and oppressive train station with crap walls and the face of Doctor Breen watching you at all times, and eventually the whole of City Seventeen, it sets up the Combine and the state of the world in a way that makes you feel powerless against the might of the Combine. Hmm, good nomination, James. Yes, Half-Life that 2. That is quite an opening. And this is one that I think... I, I Yeah, this is one I think would be in most people's uh, memory banks as a great game opening. I had to remind myself uh, of the details of it, but, I mean, it's a strong opening... Yeah, um, well, famously... What I really remember about it is someone gets can. to put something in a bin. Yeah, the can. Pick up that can. Pick up that can. Citizen or whatever, yeah. Yeah. Is that to teach you how to use bins? Because that's going to be a big mechanic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's been a while since i played it. No, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a very strong opening, especially Dr. Breen. Doctor, I've forgotten he was a doctor. Uh, yeah, that is big face. It's sort of a vertical, sort of vertical TV, I think it is. Yeah, sort of staring down and, and uh, yeah, very powerful. Is this a good time for you to mention your nomination, Al? I think it's as good as any. I was going to nominate Half-Life, the first one. Yeah, because um, that's actually with... the one that that I my memory turns to first, over and above Half-Life 2, actually. Mm. Yeah, uh, in, it, 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 was, it was totally surprising. I don't think any game had ever opened like that before where you're on the uh, little shuttle thingy and you're just you're literally being 
put into a world. Yeah. Right? It's a fantastic bit of world building. You're moving through and you're seeing normality for what a uh, weird research centre mm. uh, looks like. But you're also learning a lot about the game yeah. and, and the place it's set in. And this was un- this was this kind of interactive opening was kind of unheard of for the uh, yeah, time. Yeah, because and you didn't have a gun. No, was, and and it was just and, like report to sector C. Yeah, you know? and 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 the proof of how novel this was is in the unfortunate fact that I didn't realize you could move around. So I played the entire mm. opening of Half Life by just standing still in the <laughs> in the a lot uh, of people do train, yeah, <laughs> and not, and just getting out at the end and go. Well, that was really boring. <laughs> Cause yeah, because you think it's a cutscene. Yeah, you're just staring at the end of a of a sort of monorail carriage. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that was really distressing. <laughs> but you can look around. Yeah, you think, what is all this about? Yeah, but, um, and yeah, I, I, I think it really wrong-footed people. Yeah, especially because I think I'd read before then, like, oh, the opening of this game is is amazing. I was like, what? What? Just because you're in a monorail? <laughs> like, I just didn't. I didn't get it. So yeah, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Um, and again, because it, it establishes the normality, but it also establishes what an enormous place this se- this research center is. It's yeah, huge. And also, uh, Gordon Freeman runs everywhere. <laughs> it's one of those things where, like, the character behaves in absurd ways. He's like running ten times faster than anyone else. So, so actually, this is why I wouldn't put well. Maybe not. Not put. I, I, I'm less inclined to put Half Life Two's opening in, because Half Life One's opening was very much in keeping with the next steps in the game. I, I never felt there was like you know you had the opening Half Life Two and you're going into this city and it's very you know it's very oppressive and it, as he as James said it sets up this this world, but then because it's a game you're kind of just walking around the sides of. Uh, train tracks and and there's not many people around and and it, and it and it didn't feel real anymore you know it didn't feel like the first section of the game actually for me tied into that opening very well whereas in half-life one it did i don't know if i don't know if you guys agree but yeah i can kind of see it because you just got like you know it introduces like oh this is an oppressed city yeah and there are these guards and but it almost feels like oh you happen to be in the wrong place at the right wrong time mm. is why you know because they raid that house that you're in and then you're like then you're off you know yeah. and you're kind of like why why was i in that house what, yeah what was i doing yeah it, it, it doesn't it doesn't quite join up in the way that I hope. i'm not saying half-life 2 is not a not a great game no no not at all I, I think you're right like one there's you know it, it makes perfect sense like oh you're turning up to do a work Here's what's going on. Oh, it's gone wrong. Like yeah, yeah. And that and and, that, and actually, I would I would take the the beauty of Half Life One's opening all the way up to that accident. You know, that's like well, me, that... I I would say it, it's still early enough that the the accident is still a huge part of it, up to and including the accident. Because when that happens, it is terrifying. Yeah, that was incredible. Yeah, shocking. Uh, yeah, I I still love love playing that bit. Yeah, so good. So, yeah, so yeah. good. So I'm so controversially. I'm. Oh God, am I going to say no to Half Life Two opening? I, I you know I'm going to say yes to Half Life One, and I'm going to say no to Half Life Two. I'm sorry. It's it's not as I mean it seems a shame, doesn't it? But we have a sort of weird thing about like you you try not to put two games from the same series in the arc. I don't know why we have this because <laughs> we policy. make the, we make the rules. <laughs> <laughs> that is bizarre and arbitrary, isn't it? But I mean, the beginning of Half-Life 2 is great. Yeah. It's not as memorable. Yeah. But I mean, is it is that should it go in anyway? I don't know. 
You've got to decide. Mm. You decide. Yeah, you've put it. You've put it in our hands now, haven't you? Uh I'm. I, I think I'm kind of with you on this one. I think. Mm. I think one's got to finish. I, listen, I think Half Life Two may end up in the arc eventually. <laughs> yeah, but for, oh, I hope so. Under some other genre. Yeah, you know. I mean, there's so maybe, much maybe of we'll it. Maybe we'll do a Gravity up. Guns episode or something. Oh, but, um, yeah. oh can uh, we do shot? Can we, can we? Can we do shotguns in games at some point? Oh yeah, that'd be good. Because Duke Nukem. Talk back to earlier. One thing I forgot to mention about Duke Nukem 3D has got one of the best shotguns in gaming. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Well, but you... um, in terms of openings, though, I think yes to Half Life One, no to Half Life Two. Oh yeah, it shall be so. It shall be so. Sorry, James. So yeah, it's uh... cracking nomination though, James. Yeah, that's you're, a good one. you're a man after my heart. All right, what else we got? Uh, Richard Field. Okay, here's another one that I think a lot of people would think about. Evening, chaps, he says. <clears throat> it's me again, emailing from the year 2015, and I'd like to submit... Oh, 2015? It's, it's January the 1st Whoa. when he sent this. It's the past! Uh, it means 2016. And I'd like to submit for this game opening space arc, The Last of Us. Uh, now, I mean, I could probably spoil this now, right? Enough time has passed. Yeah, if, you've, if you haven't played it yet, yeah. you're, you're so, mad. Go for it. Well, first of all, get that sorted, yeah. and then second and then of all, come back. we're going to we'll, ruin it for you. Yeah, go and play Last of Us. We'll wait, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then we'll carry on. The opening of this game is one of the most intense, scary, and emotional of any game I have played. The opening mm. starts with you playing the protagonist, Joel's daughter, as a viral outbreak begins spreading through an American city, causing chaos. As you try to escape with your father and uncle, you are confronted with a desperate struggle to escape the infected as well as other humans all out for themselves who and who will do anything to escape. Without spoilers, oh, okay, the opening section ends with one of the most emotional, heart-wrenching scenes I have seen in a game or even film, for that matter. Mm. If this isn't included in the space arc, I might just explode. No, literally. Well, I'll, I'll be standing in a pool of molten rock and will likely combust. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, for the avoidance of doubt, you're going to explode anyway. So anyway. Yeah. So please take this submission and preserve it for future generations. Goodbye. My, my favourite <laughs> listeners himself. are the ones that accept their own death and yeah. sort of go with it. But with a cheerful smile, like goodbye, and then, you know, fading into the into the lava. That's, that's, very, that's um, very gracious. Yeah, so my pick was almost The Last of Us uh, because, mm. yeah, I think, I mean, people were talking about this opening before the game came out. And, yeah, it hit me extremely hard. Uh, I mean, it's it, it's not just the emotional moment at the end, but just the way that it presents things going wrong. Uh, if I remember right, you know, there's that moment where you're in your house and the and the cop cars kind of scream past, um, mm. and there's just this sense of like, oh my god, I think I'd rather stay in the house. I don't want to go out and see what's happening. Um, yeah, it's an amazingly crafted, uh, re- yeah, genuinely scary and just miserably depressing opening <laughs> and it and the stuff that happens in that opening sets the tone for the relationships that pan out through the rest yeah that's of true. the game yeah so it's, it a, is so absolutely, a narrative purpose. what happens in that opening is completely crucial to everything that yeah. happens afterwards no this is really from masters of of writing really that that, that opening scene um yeah. yeah, I mean, The Last of Us is not is to me not it's not a perfect game. I think well, a lot of people love it more than yeah, I, I do. I'd but... agree. I, I'm I am one of those people who thinks it was kind of slightly underwhelmed by 
The Last of Us as a whole. Mm. Um, but yeah, you can't. I don't think you can argue with that opening, can you, Matthew? <laughs> no, I think it's good. I think it's like just technically, it's kind of brilliant. You know, you just see you think it's one of those sort of wow, they built all this. Yeah. You know, I always think when whenever you get these sort of vaguely interactive cutscenes in Call of Duty and stuff where a car's driving through loads of stuff, I'm always like, wow, they built this stuff just for me to drive past. That's mad. Um, yeah. Which I'm a big fan of. It yeah, just seems yeah. so brilliantly wasteful. Um, <laughs> so I will. Um, Sorry. Yeah, I, yeah, I like it. I don't think it, I. I personally don't really agree with it having that kind of emotional heft. I don't really, really? think you. Um, no, because it's you've just not known the characters long enough. Like I don't know, but it's, 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 but it's so well acted. It's very well acted, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. very nicely uh, written as well. You know, <laughs> I'm not easily. I'm, I guess I'm just not easily moved. Just as I wasn't moved by Yanni. No, a it's like years you, ago. yeah, you did. You did say something like I don't buy into. The emotions of getting. But the thing is, films like <laughs> films make me ball all yeah. the time. Like I'm very, very easy for films to do it. Games, I've just, I've never, I've never wept at a game. Yeah. What, what I'd advise you. Well, I don't know if I'd advise it or not. But have, have you guys seen the making of documentary for The Last of Us? That they... Yeah, because the yeah, because the original take was quite different. Yeah, he the. I mean, we <laughs> we're going to spoil this now. So so flip forward if you don't want to hear what happens in the yeah opening. skip forward a couple of minutes yeah, yeah but um the actor joel the actor who plays joel who has to obviously cry you know act like his daughter's died uh yeah he went a bit over the top in the first would it be sort of over the top wasn't it matthew he sort of it was like yeah, real kind like, of ah, 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 ah. <laughs> and then they're like maybe and he and and he talks about how as an actor he found it really hard Oh, to, that's to, yeah, it's, take, it's, yeah. it's it's like oh. it's pretty gut wrenching to watch because yeah. you're like, oh, like you're putting it all out there. It's a yeah. bit, it's a bit much. And then the director, what's the director of um, the last? Oh, uh, Druckman. Yeah, he was basically telling the actor guy like just just tone it down a bit. And the and it's like it's only it's only your kid. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, but the actor said he found it quite hard to do to you know to, to take to take those notes. Uh, from the director, but yeah, it paid off in the end. But yeah. when you say the actor, it's it's Troy Baker, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, Troy yeah. Baker. Yeah, it is good. Don't get me wrong. It, it like as an example of that in games, it's exceptionally well done. I just, it's just, I guess part of it, and it's going to sound super callous. It's just, it's such a cliche. Hmm. Like it's such a cliche yeah, of like a, cli- but... of bit, a bit of like character forming. Like, oh, this is the bad thing that happened. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, okay. Because and, and the other thing, the other thing is again, like maybe I don't want to pick holes in it, but like if you know anything about The Last of Us, it's that it's about a guy who has to team up with this girl. It's not a guy and his daughter who has to team up with well, this girl. No, no. And like, so the second she appears on screen, you're like, oh, she's not been in any of the promotional material. <laughs> <laughs> like that's I, that. You're coming to that with a jaundiced eye, though, aren't you? Maybe, you know, maybe I don't know. Maybe that's how I see games. But if you if you come to them. things with with prior knowledge of something, or you're thinking about the box art, or whatever. I mean, this is why I'm wherever possible. I would always encourage anybody to come to anything completely with no yeah, completely yeah. blank. I agree. But I like I can I you agree. can only judge it on your own experience, and yeah, that yeah. was mine. It was yeah. just like. Oh. Don't feel good about this character, but it's. Uh, but regardless, it's a brilliant opener, and I would vote to put it in. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, with with the odd reservation about the thing itself, it is. It's a heck of an opening. Yeah. Uh, Are we only putting yeah. the opening? Are we putting in the whole game? <laughs> 
Well, the game goes in. The rules are the game goes in. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the idea that people can only play the opening to it on the arc, and they're like, "Oh, that's a bummer. Why did you put this on the arc?" <laughs> it just stop. Yeah. Because, so like, oh, you is know, there no redemption. You're like, no. Nah. We're gonna have it, to have. It flashes forward several years, and then right, game over. <laughs> stop. <laughs> right. Next. So, did you say yes, Alan, by the way? Sorry. I, I did, yeah. Oh, you res- yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a unanimous, yeah. Sweet. Okay. Um, Tom says, he says, I'll tell you what, all this lava is starting to get on my nerves. <laughs> it's all lava this and lava that. Open the curtains, question mark, fields of lava. Taking out the bins, you can't. They're all melted because of the lava. <laughs> Tuning into later live on BBC Two, it's not the same. What with the lava, lava constantly dribbling from Jules Holland's mouth. Bloody yeah. lava, am I right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you are right. Yeah. Anyway, for my money, the honour of best game opening has to go to Star Wars The Force Unleashed. All right, look, the game itself is a bit rubbish, but hear me out. Rather than playing as a protagonist star killer, you take control of Darth Vader himself, leading a bombastic assault, smacking Wookiees on... How do you pronounce this? Kashyyyk? Kashyyyk, yeah. As a tutorial to a game, it's quite... Come on, man, the three Ys are a dead giveaway. (laughs) (laughs) As a tutorial to a game, it's quite bold, granting you early access to a very powerful character whose abilities you'll only be able to match towards the end of the game. It works a little too well, if I'm honest, as I would actually say it's the best part of the game. Oh, well. (laughs) Um... This is a this is an interesting choice uh, because in the build up to the game there was a lot of talk around uh, it uses the same I think it's the same physics as like GTA Four that Euphoria engine and it was all about how like um, you, you know you weren't just going to have these force powers but they were going to change the world in like really amazing ways so like you could bend metal and it would bend realistically you could like force yeah. push things and it would kind of bulge you could. Um, if you like tried to drag stormtroopers, they'd like try and hold on to each other and hold on to things. <laughs> uh-huh. So it looked really exciting. Um, and obviously, you play as this new guy through it, this star killer chap. Yeah. Um, but he's like powering up as he goes along. So, like, I guess they wanted to kind of like you to feel amazing out the box, which is why they have this like Darth Vader level where you're just like, you're basically in this. Um, uh, like Wookiee village hmm. and you're just sort of chucking people and smashing people against trees and it's just really you know you feel like it, they're the height of your power right um, so, it's, so it's it's, so it's, it's like, like a the... brilliant advert for like what's to come yeah. unfortunately what's to come is garbage um, <laughs> so like it's almost it, it's almost a game which sort of once you've played as Darth Vader, who wants to play as some other schmuck you've never yeah, heard of? That seems like a real yeah. misstep. Well, it's funny so how it's, like it's not so much like a great opening as like it kind of kills it dead. Well, as yeah, well. I was thinking about the Metroid games while you were talking about that, and obviously they normally start where you have all the powers and then you lose them all. But it but it yeah, and, and that does frustrate me a little bit. But it always works. Um, yeah, but here it's just sort of like. He's such an iconic thing. Yeah. Don't you want to be him? Yeah, that's it. You know? It's a disappointment when you've got to, when you've got to step into the shoes of the new guy. I mean, even yeah. though, you know, the games are fine, right? I only played the second mm, one. Yeah. And it's it's okay. It's quite enjoyable. Yeah. But um, I think the first one uh, suffers a little. You've got to imagine, the like, the... I bet the developers... You can imagine how the developers would get really excited. Though. It's like, oh, we've got permission to use Darth Vader. We're going to have him... You're going to be able to play him for a bit. You know, and it's easy to get yeah. carried away with that and forget that you're you're basically 
creating one level of the game that everyone would prefer to be playing. Yeah, it's weird because we we I interviewed the producer of this way back when because there was a there was going to be a, they were making a there was a version for Wii Wii yeah. the original Wii um, quite a toned down version, admittedly. But yeah. um, I remember talking to him and he was saying like uh, so the thing with spin-offs of Stoles when they're official spin-offs is that George Lucas obviously has the final say on like whether or not it should be canon or part of the universe. Mm, yeah. So you come up with a story, so they came up with a story, and then they take it to him, and instead of going, do you like this? They go, hey, George, did this happen in Star Wars? <laughs> ah, yeah. And then he goes, mm, yeah, yeah, that did happen. <laughs> so they have, so they go to him, and they go, oh, Dar-, so they go, George Lucas, um, did Darth Vader ever have a secret apprentice who did like secret missions for him? And he's like... Yeah, yeah, you know what you did actually. <laughs> you were very well. That you, how did you you worked it out? Well done. You know, it's yes. Because then, of course, all this stuff is declared non-canon before the Force yeah. Awakens yeah. come well, out. Anyway, it's like the idea that you, you as a creative person, have to go. Did did you come up with my idea? And he's like, Yeah, I did. Yeah, <laughs> that is perfect. Yeah. That is that but is. They, perfect they went with him with loads of stuff. So it wasn't like, do you like the sound of this game? It was like, oh. Did the the Wookiees have a rebellion that we can make a game about? And he's like, no, that didn't happen. (laughs) It's like, uh, did the Ewoks like ride motorbikes that we can make a game about? You're way way off. You're way off there. You're way off. (laughs) But Darth Vader's Secret Apprentice. Now you mention it, yes, (laughs) yes. (laughs) You have my blessing to tell my story. Like, oh man, like that guy. What a hero. Uh, So I'm I'm quite. yeah, I like the sound of this. I haven't played. I haven't played Force Unleashed because of the aforementioned sort of meh-ness of those games. But uh, yeah, this sounds like a. This sounds like, I, you know, whenever I sit down to play a new game, it's like, oh, what sixty hours? But the idea that I can play the best part of this game in one hour or whatever it is, and then be done with it, uh, that's perfect. I think so, that's. I think that's spot on. Really, I'm yeah. Yes. I, I, I'd go along with that, Greener. Yeah, I think probably play the first few bits and then uh, and then give it a rest because those games do outstay their welcome. Yeah, is one thing I'd say about them. I would like to force push this game into the lava. (laughs) (laughs) Or do a Jedi mind trick so that you guys put it in the lava and I look like I was a good guy all along. (laughs) Didn't work. Uh, Two out of three. It's going in. I can't believe we put the Force Unleashed on the space <laughs> arc. No, we put the open. Well, we the, I mean, open. the game is in, but it's in because of its opening. Yeah. That's what you've got to remember. Oh, dear. Well, we just put Star Wars in. Just watch that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matthew, I want to hear what uh, what you want to put in a space arc. What game opening? So, I want to put in, I'm surprised none of the readers suggested this. Sorry, listeners suggested this. <laughs> um is the opening to Bioshock, <laughs> um, yep. which is, uh, and it's a brilliant opening in its own right, but I have a soft spot for it because it's the first thing I played on a 360. Oh, right. I remember going to a, going, um, going to my friend's house and uh, actually it was the first thing I played on my free 360. Oh, yeah. um, I just I just uh, got this 360 and I went and I played it at my friend's house and I remember sitting there and just thinking, All right, oh, wow, this is like I've never seen anything like it just the scale of it and the how slick it is and in case you don't remember it um starts with plane crash you don't see the plane crashing but you sort of awake in the flaming debris in the ocean in the ocean yeah you enter the sort of strange lighthouse type structure um 
and descend in the sphere thing. Bathysphere. Um, the bathysphere. Mm. And you descend and you discover the city of, of uh, Rapture. And it's, I think, just as a bit, you know, if, if as a bit of world building and introduction, you know, you end up with this sort of like you're in quite a, you know, you're above water, you're in that kind of normal space, you know what's going on. And the second you go down and there's this sort of bit of voiceover where the kind of the builder of the city is talking about the kind of philosophy behind his city. Yeah. And it's just perfectly cued that he, as he sort of says, oh, and here it is, you know, I give you this. Yeah. And you just come over the rocks and you see it for the first time and it's just like New York underwater and it just looks amazing and the music swells. It's like pure, a p- bit of pure cinema. It's... I'm, Ken Levine has often been accused of, like, I think, he, you know, he's doing film writing now. You know, he really yeah. wants to be making films rather than games, perhaps. Mm. Um, but as a bit of just storytelling, it's so exciting and big. And it's completely linear. You can't do anything about it. But, like, just a breathtaking moment of mm. the, the scale of it and, like, the potential of it, of what you're going to be doing and the tone of it. Because it's so sort of... Um, it's not dumb. I'm not saying like, oh, it's so smart, but it just feels like really muscular and confident. And you're like, yeah, confidence is probably you, the word. Yeah, you know, you're on. You're, you know, you're, people say you're on. You know, like on being on a roller coaster ride, but you're really like this game just really knows where it's going, and it kind of mm. drags you into that city, and you're like, oh my god, like this, I'm mm. so excited. This is so exciting. You see glimpses and foreshadowing of things you're going to see, which I always love in openings. I um, think the the thing that strikes me about the Bioshock games is the world building you know mm. you're you're in a totally bizarre environment which feels coherent it has its own rules that it obeys it has its own sort of ecosystem and a sort of mad philosophy behind it all that is revealed to you gradually and all that sort of stuff but when you find yourself first in that world and it's not really clear you know what who you are or what you're doing there or what your kind of mm. driving motivation is yeah. other than to live and to to move forward through it yeah uh and then of course over the over the course of the game you know you acquire motivations you find out more what's going on uh and you're given the moral choices and all that stuff but right at the beginning you're just in this fantastic place and you think i want to find out yeah what I, is yeah, going to be ahead of yeah, me yeah i would agree yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not just that, but I think the thing about that opening, particularly the trip, because the second you step out of the sphere, it's like it's obvious that like, it's gone to gone to pot and it's like nightmare town. But you're taking this trip, and this thing is how people were meant to come to this city if it was doing its, if it, you know, when it was in its glory and when it was working. So it's like the only bit of the game where Rapture's actually functioning properly, and you see the scale of it and the vision of it, and you know, just from the fiction point of view, you're like, oh yeah, I can imagine like rich people riding this thing down and being like whoa we're in for such a ride look at this and, yeah. and then you step out and you instantly see the juxtaposition of like uh-oh this isn't what i signed up for like it's it's so grim inside you know it's the promise of it you, you get all that promise in the, in the build-up to it and then it's just sort of instantly shattered from a second like you know, a person with a manked up face tries to hit you with a bar or something, yeah. and you're like, "Uh oh, you didn't mention but, that in the trip down." <laughs> but but that's the I, w- I won't talk too much about this for reasons that will become obvious in a minute. But that's the one issue I have, and maybe it's a bit similar to what I was saying with Half Life Two, that you the 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 promise is of this huge city, and 
my 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 experience with the game felt like it was a very claustrophobic series of tunnels and and but things. that's but that's what I like it's it's the corruption of it. you know you think you're going to have this but you you're not you're not there and that's what I'm not saying you're going you know the game doesn't go you know oh hello you're a person who's moved into this lovely city called Rapture hmm. like this is how you get to Rapture you know you're you're thrust into it as a complete outsider you know it's it's more like when I take that trip I think. Oh yeah, I can see. You know, this voiceover was intended for like a brilliant thing. Like this city was meant to be brilliant, and when you're there and you realise it's not, and it's not like I don't think it feels like it doesn't deliver on the open world city. I think it. You know, the reason it's all in disrepair. You can't get anywhere. You know, the thing's messed up. Hey, it's a great opening. You can't argue with that. Opening no, the opening. Yeah, world. the openings. Yeah, definitely. Yesterday, opening and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's um, it's just that. Uh, uh, yeah, it's just the the game as a whole. I think. I mean, it's funny actually. Almost, almost a lot of these great openings, you know, go on to games that I kind of think, ah, oh, that was okay, I guess. But uh, yeah, mm. I'll still put it. But in, we are sure. doing opening games. I mean, I think Bioshock is is still a a, a brilliant game, but it uh, this shooting was always average at best, and you know there are problems around it's pacing quite and stuff like that. But... Can you imagine if it said that in the voiceover as you're going down in the orb? <laughs> In this, this is an amazing city, but I should point out that the shooting ain't great, and you're probably going to be eating out of bins for like five hours of this ten-hour game. Well, quite. No, but, I, still, I, mean, that, I, I, I don't want to ruin it, but let's just say I hope you like disappointing end boss fights. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, this is weird foreshadowing. <laughs> no, but still a yes in terms yeah. of oh absolutely in. yeah that opening something else nice oh so good i'm gonna go and watch it right after this podcast <laughs> well oh, wait because there's still a bit of podcast to go which is me talking about bioshock infinite opening oh. which is the one i'm gonna put in so so again like yeah i, I mean bioshock infinite as a game kind of i thought was a little bit disappointing um the opening is just amazing just amazing to me um, you know I'm a big fan of flo- floating islands and things in the yeah. sky anyway, so Bioshock Infinite was always going to appeal to me. But all maybe not the very initial bit where you're sort of on a boat with these characters who have uh, have much more meaning later on into a lighthouse again, so very much reminiscent of that Bioshock 1 opening. Yeah. Um, but then the... Uh, so yes, rather than taking a bath bathysphere down you take a chair that kind of rockets up uh, into the sky um and then there's a really uh, just the atmosphere of this because you don't just land straight in the city you go through a kind of church um and you get baptized and there's just this it's amazing amazingly sort of this echoing choir music um in this church and then after you've been baptized you come out in this beautiful uh garden um just very quiet and peaceful. And then you get the moment where you sort of emerge through the doors into this impossibly amazing floating city with with mm. entire um, houses, entire buildings just, just, you know, floating like balloons around you. Um, and then just walking through uh, Columbia, as, as, as the city's called, um, just one of the best senses of a of a city being alive that i've had from any game mm. you got so most people will point to the god only knows the the barbershop oh, quartet i, loved, I was just that. about to mention it oh, it's so just, just incredible but there's like well, you get a bit where you're playing carnival games and there's like mechanical horses walking down the street 
Um, and as you approach the kind of the bit before the game starts proper, really, um, you're just a, you, you hear people singing and you're approaching this stage where everyone's like some a guy's leading everyone in this kind of sing along. Uh, and and the and the and the audio treatment is just perfect. The sound of hearing a distant distance crowd singing uh, is just amazing. Um, and yeah, I don't think I don't think anything will ever be emerging into that that first moment of, of, of Columbia. Um, it just you know like like Bioshock One, like you're saying, Matt, it's just super confident. It's just like um, mm. I watched it again earlier, and uh, yeah, it it just. So so many amazing, aesthetically beautiful moments um, mm. over the course of what twenty minutes. Uh, it's it's so audacious, isn't it? Because it's got all of that world building stuff, and it's got all of the you know the the intriguing ness of the world. You want to find out how these people have come to be and what they're doing here, and why yeah. are they baptizing you, and all that stuff, and what your role, what your own role is, but. At the same time, it's so it couldn't be any more different from Bioshock if it tried, you know. Because uh, Matthew's talking about tight spaces and it's dark and it's wet and mm. it's dripping, and then Columbia couldn't be any more different if it tried. Yeah, so totally. that's an amazing achievement. And you're right, actually. And and that and that Bioshock Quartet bit, you know, where because the sign next to them singing says "Tomorrow's Music Today," and you're <laughs> and you're already getting this sense of like, oh, something, you know, there's something off here. You know, this is this this old old world that, you know, is kind of uh, got elements of the new. So it really does draw you in. Like I say, I don't think the rest of the game really fulfills the promise again. Um, but yeah, my God, the time and uh, yeah. time and effort that went into that must have been. It almost like huge. it's 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 at its most successful throughout when it's closest to the beginning, like when it has patches of like, like almost uninteractive sightseeing again, which yeah. happens occasionally, like when you end up on the beach in after. Oh bit, yeah, the beach. Like, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. You know, and you have, bit, yeah. the, you have little right. snippets of like everyday life that that you can just sort of enjoy. Yeah. And, and that's probably why I prefer it to Bioshock One because it does um, that that utopia is there for you, for you, for you to experience, yeah. you know? And, um, I, I, I know they, um, yeah. So, so that, that I like that I've said before and, and, and the game, I remember this most vividly with was, um, uh, Skyward Sword, right? Zelda Skyward Sword, mm. because mm. it had those bits where you saw the glimpse of the, the past world, you know, you know, in the, was it the mines? Yeah. And it really infuriated me. You never got to see that world, you know? And mm. and and so it's a bit of a pet hate with me. A bit why I was saying that with Bioshock One, where there's there's the promise of this amazing world that you that you never get to see. So Bioshock really delivers. And, and you're right, Matthew. The beach as well is, is is amazing. But when it gets bogged down in this kind of like, you know, oh look how racist everybody is, and it's kind of like so uh, in yeah. your so in your face. It's kind of just <laughs> it just ruins any effect that so they intended to have. Let me get this right: racism is a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, thanks, Bioshock yeah. Infinite. Thank you. Yeah, and by the t- by the time you've seen the ninth poster that rams home that people are a bit racist in Colombia. Like, oh, like, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I get it. Um, but yeah, that, that <laughs> opening is uh, is incredible. Um, yeah. I just, yeah. I, there's something about. I think there's something, you know, like this, just like the the just by having sort of mature subject matter. I'm not saying mm. it's like particularly adult in the way it's done, but you know, 
Like, if you just write down the sentence, you know, oh, I'm baptised at the start of this game, it's something <laughs> yeah. you can't say of, like, any other game. Like, yeah, that's right. I love, you know, games to show you things, you know, they're meant to show you things that you never see in everyday life, and actually they all show you the same thing, really. And I think that, that game, yeah. Bioshock Infinite, definitely, like, you see some things, you're like, oh, I've never seen this before in a game. Yeah. Um, it's visionary, it, you know. It's weird. I imagine it started development before probably before the big rise of indie games, right? Yeah. And I think if if you made Bioshock Infinite now, he would kind of have not that he needs permission, but you kind of you kind of have that kind of implicit permission that you could just have a game that was just set in the utopia of that that of uh, Colombia without it turning mm. into violent shoot 'em up. Yeah. Um so it's kind of it was kind of caught it was always caught in the middle of a bit of a changeover it- in video games. It was also, in a way, though, it feels like it was almost a like nail in the coffin for for the the AAA uh, first person story campaign because that game was only you know try and think of another game as big as that first person not open world like everything's gone open world since like yeah. part of it's because Ken Levine hasn't made anything since but <laughs> like it cost yeah. them so much money it had so much trouble for mm. you know they almost sort of go yeah. oh it took you 5 years 6 years to make huge spiraling budget yeah. just for this like linear 8 hour campaign it's yeah. almost like everyone said never again like there hasn't been one since i guess probably new doom isn't open world though is no, it new Do- no Do- doom's gonna but that's gonna be quite old school in that yeah like in that you know let me tell you in the new doom no one's getting baptized <laughs> <laughs> that's just uh well like, maybe evil baptism you know yeah <laughs> I mean, it's baptism fire but i think that's a very different thing <laughs> yeah uh, okay so who's who's with me on infinite I am with you i am with you greeno i mean uh, there's not many series that are worth putting two from the same uh, two, yeah, we've two, two broken, the, broken the rule that we set earlier. Already. Yeah, Ken, Ken Levine is the king of game openings. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll I, let, we'll let, just his, he hasn't worked out the following seven-hour bit yet. That's <laughs> yeah. the that's that's the kicker. Yeah, but yeah. they're really, really memorable openings, and uh, yeah. very yeah. glad to include Bioshock Infinite. Yep, great. Oh well, that was quite a positive uh, space arc all round, wasn't it? Really, yeah, we quite a lot yeah, went in. Yeah. I was trying to think if there's any really, really good ones from like. A really long time ago, but I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't yeah. like, uh, Super Metroid's got a very good opening. Oh, that's in true. That yeah, you get into you, sh- you. You know, you kind of get in, you fight something nasty, you get out quite quickly. That's quite exciting. Um, I, I, I liked. Uh, I was going to give a little shout out to uh, the second Phoenix Wright game, Justice for All, just because it has a really fun way of getting around the fact that it wants to do a tutorial, but he's already established lawyer. Because he gets whacked on the head with a fire extinguisher and just forgets he's a lawyer. So he's, he's, and he wakes up and then he's literally the person who wakes him up is like, you're defending me in court right now. And he has to just, just try and remember how to be a lawyer with oh, everyone's cool. getting really cross with him. That's uh, good. That's a, nice, that's a nice idea. Yeah. Oh, well, no, it's a lot of good stuff there. So you can nominate uh, games for, for next episode's genre and we'll tell you how to do that very shortly after this. All right, so as the three of us climb into bed on the bed on the final bed platform, the nighttime platform. Oh, that, that's Whoa, really that was never the deal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like Morgan and Wise. It's it's platonic. Yeah, that's um, exactly what I was thinking. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great big three-person bed, and we all. Uh, curl up and I see uh, us more as like a Goldilocks and the three bears type setup. 
it's like a big or... bed, a medium bed, and a small bed. <laughs> Why have we all got different sized beds? Because we're, we're idiots. We didn't think it through. <laughs> we just thought, oh, what, what happens when people get three beds? They get a th- like bears, isn't it? You get three different sizes. Three <laughs> different we sizes. Just went for, yeah. like, we went for the three bear special without thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> we're like oh i guess yeah it does mean a big one a middle one and a small one the three uh, bear special at beds are us yeah <laughs> oh that sounds good there's three of us too yeah, yeah that sounds good yeah <laughs> oh man okay so, so as we retreat to our differently sized beds um all that is left to say is please send us your nominations for next episode space arc um which in honor of street fighter five 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 yes <laughs> Uh, we're going to do fighting games and my my uh, incompetence is a hint as to how well the three of us know fighting games um, so yeah it'll be an interesting uh, episode to do, do but yeah, can tag in three experts for that round nice oh, yeah, in yeah. fighting fashion in fighting game style uh, so whether you are a fighting game fan or not uh, please tell us your favourite fighting game and we've already covered uh beat-em-ups you know you're kind of scrolling uh fighting games like battle toads and um double dragon mutant turtles and double dragon and stuff so th- these are your more you know uh mano a what's, what's the expression mano a mano mano a mano uh fighting games so yeah tell us what you got um you can email trp at the rotating platform.com oh, this is going to be a good test of memory after almost two months you can tweet us at rotating podcast you can go on the website on the blog and you can leave a comment there which is www.therotatingplatform.com and i actually i wouldn't recommend the blog because i keep forgetting to check the comments but it's, it's, it's there Brilliant. if you want it and there's also Facebook, facebook.com forward slash rotating platform. And what else do we say at the end? That's it, isn't it? So thanks for joining us for the first rotating platform of 2016. And we will see you very soon for another episode. Isn't that right, lads? It certainly is. <laughs> All right. Uh, and, and until then, goodbye and see you in soon. Bye. 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 Bye.